Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. You're now tuned to Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nick. What are we talking about this morning, Steve? Where are we going? Today we're going to talk about the state of the shift. Mm. So where is the global paradigm shift at right now in October 2019? Mm. Beautiful. Uh, it's the year 2019. It's nearly over. 2020 is coming. If you happen to subscribe to the Jewish religion, the year is 5,779. Or if you happen to be a Rosicrucian, as uh, Steve uh, has been in the past, the year is 3,372, which is pretty interesting in itself. That's right. That dates from the birth of the Egyptian pharaoh uh, Amenhotep IV, or otherwise known as Akhenaten, who mm. was famously married to Queen Nefertiti. Queen Nefertiti. Of course. Lovely, lovely word, Nefertiti. And it, it makes me wonder if at some time in the future, and I'm sure we will, you know, probably the whole society will change our reference point for measuring the progression of years, I yeah. guess. I mean, yes. the, 2019, of course, comes from the Christian mm. belief system. Mm. Interesting yeah, to interesting. reflect on those big things sometimes. Yes, and those long cycles, I guess. And we, we like to talk about long cycles sometimes here, but certainly the uh, the trends in the world. And if you, anybody now engaged with world events uh, looks around, there are so many hotspots, so many confusing, conflicting, and complex issues on the planet. It's almost uh, almost impossible to, to take stock. In fact, it's hard to imagine that anybody really understands what's going on. It's certainly very complex, isn't it? One of the trends, though, is that we now have uh, 15,000 people who've listened to our podcast this year, which is wonderful. That's or very at least 15,000 listens. I'm sure some of the, <laughs> some people have listened more than once. So if uh, you're listening to the podcast, thank you very much for supporting us and tell your friends. Absolutely, yes. And you can check out our podcasts uh, on podcast platforms, but the easy way is to go to our website, very simple one-page website, just futuresense.it. It's a portal to uh, to those podcasts of the edited versions of this uh, of this show. It is indeed, and we talk about the great shifts taking place in human consciousness and how they're impacting human behavior and societies around the world. And using human consciousness as a, a window to interpreting behavior and, and change across the world is a fairly rare way of, <laughs> of doing that at the moment. There are very few people who are doing that. Mm. But it's potentially the most accurate and useful way of doing it because our consciousness is primary to, to everything. It's primary to our experience of reality. Mm. It's primary to our motivations and our behaviors and how we organize ourselves in the world. So in a world of increasingly confusing information, overload, uh, digging deep and looking at the, the consciousness that's driving human behavior is one way of making sense of the present and the future. Yes. And uh, we don't pretend to predict the future on this show, but what we do is we spot it before most other people because the future comes in pockets and waves and you'll find little pockets of people living in the future right now in different places around the world. And that's a relative thing, of course, be, be, as, uh, as we all progress through these developmental layers of consciousness. 
that have been identified by research. We live according to different values and different behaviours, and uh, there are always people who are ahead of the pack, so to speak. Mm. And, and by identifying those little pockets of more advanced values, more advanced behaviour, more advanced societies, we can then get a clear window into what the future looks like for most of the rest of the world. Mm. I think that's a good description, a modern description of, of futurism in and of itself. Uh, it's, it's obvious, but it's a, it's a really clear signpost that uh, things are changing when you can identify those pockets, identify those individuals or those collectives that are doing something particularly, un, particularly uh, ahead of the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so where are we now on the roller coaster in October 2019? Where is the world at? Clearly things are changing. Things seems to be, seem to be uh, going to hell in a handbasket mm. to many, mm. many people. And it's very, very true that we are going through a regressive value search in the moment. So people are looking back to the past, revisiting old values to try and make it work in the face of our, our values that we've lived by for the last 300 years suddenly becoming inadequate you know, to, to cope with the complexity. And uh, on the, the change roller coaster, as I, I like to call it, the, the progression uh, or the process of change that takes us from stability into uh, tension or turbulence and then down into chaos through a, a transformational uh, phase and then breaking out and uh, through a renewal phase and back to new stability, which places us, if we're progressing and evolving, at a, a place of higher complexity and higher capacity. Mm. And I've just tweeted a link to that, the, an image of that change progression uh, via the Future Sense Twitter uh, account, and also, also posted it on our Future Sense uh, Facebook page. So if you want to go and look at that while you're listening, uh, that might help you follow the uh, the progression that we're talking about. And it's also true to say that there isn't just one shift underway globally at the moment. Yeah. There are multiple shifts going on, and bearing in mind that people, humanity spread across a spectrum of different layers of consciousness which are nested inside each other and your your particular place within that nested set of, of layers of consciousness is really driven by your life conditions. So human consciousness is adaptive, it, it will adapt to cope with whatever problems we're faced with and the more complex your life conditions are, the more complex the problems are and so you're likely to naturally adapt to a more complex layer of consciousness in order to cope with that. Mm. So we're, we're dealing now with a world that is in transition in various places from at times traditional old-fashioned tribal living into a, a warlord-dominated kind of society where power is, is right and, and might wins, or it could be transitioning from that warlord-based society to an authoritarian society, which is a, a very rigid but very communal uh, and highly disciplined way of living, so, sometimes uh, in, involving you know, quite harsh and rigid laws. Uh, or you, you might be in transition from that authoritarian society to a scientific industrial society mm. with a free market uh, and also likely a, a, a strong corporate control mechanism and a military industrial complex that comes along with that. <laughs> uh, and I guess an example of that might be China, although as you're speaking, of course, it's a very complicated uh, equation because there's so many yeah. factors moving in. That's in right. Cogs it, moving one place. It, exactly. Did you say frogs or cogs? <laughs> I said frogs. Probably frogs. Uh, and it's very it's very difficult to, uh, to talk about this without generalizing. So we do generalize yep. a lot on this show yeah. and, and you really can't point to a country and say this country is at this layer of consciousness. Of course, every country is a, is a mixture of people at different layers because of the varying life conditions throughout the, 
the geography of each and, country. And that's a beautiful palette in, in, in a sense too, as I see it, as you're speaking of that, that people in, in a country will be on different layers of consciousness, they will be in different, living in different paradigms and moving as determined by their life conditions, as you say, towards or sometimes as a regressive search so backwards if things are that challenging. And it's a kind of exciting um, uh, you know, palettes of word I used before, but I'm almost like a jigsaw that, that can be maybe not sold, but we can certainly find a lot of the pieces and see how they fit together. That's right, and, and you can't even really point to an individual and say that an individual is at one layer of consciousness either because typically we're spread across at least about three layers mm. and we are dynamic creatures and our life conditions change from moment to moment, you know, mm. from, from the morning when you get up at home, uh, perhaps immersed in family life and then head off to your job, whatever that might be, you know, your life conditions change and so your values will shift, you will adapt and you'll operate differently mm. in those different environments. I mean, even the smallest thing might influence that. You might wake up feeling great, your life's working very well, you have enough money, then suddenly you get some piece of news, for example, you get a, a, a huge bill about from something from the tax department you didn't expect and suddenly that might throw you back into a, into a response or reaction to that that is actually a, a more fear-driven, fear for example, and you, you find yourself... Uh, trying to figure out how to deal with it from that place, perhaps. That's right, and that's certainly been happening here in Australia where the yes. tax department here is, has this robotic uh, debt-issuing <laughs> setup, which is causing havoc here and, and billing people unfairly and mm. causing uh, chaos in, in many lives as a result, and that's mm. part of the tension that comes with transitioning systems. Mm. In society and of course at the leading edge uh, globally and again this is a generalization we're looking at a shift of the dominant global paradigm we've been operating globally under what is mostly being a scientific industrial worldview mm. and systems that have been designed from a, a scientific industrial uh, way of thinking and that has reached a, um, a late stage in its development where the the scientific industrial setup is starting to dismantle itself in the face of complexity so it's simply not coping with the extra complexity that it itself has created yes, sort of eating itself from the inside out in a way exactly and and uh one of the good things about that is that if you're if you're sort of hoping for that to progress all you really do is to have to sit back and watch with some popcorn to, to a large extent uh, because it is dismantling itself and uh and essentially you know if you're a fan of evolution and you're looking for progress then that's a good thing really uh, the the uh, the crunch really comes to just you know the crunch sort of comes down to trying to smooth that transition so it doesn't uh, mm. cause as you know any harm any any uh, needless harm because as systems collapse uh, we also at the same time have new systems developing and uh, right now because of the regressive values search that's going on people are tending to look back and they're tending to focus on what's going wrong. Uh, and uh, and that's causing a great deal of anxiety, which mm. is which is now being reported in the media a lot, isn't it? Yes, and, it is. Uh, particularly and, in relation to climate. And of course, it's understandable that people, as you're saying, that have this anxiety, anxiety, especially young people, have fear. Whether it's the appropriate and the best driver for action for change is questionable, but it's a useful, has been a useful driver. It's it's the thing that's we have recourse to. I think when we do go backwards, and you can certainly see it in our governments uh, around the world, this notion of well, you've got to be afraid. I'm thinking Peter Dutton is a good example in the Australian government that everything's uh, something to be afraid of. Yeah, I think it's quite reasonable to be afraid of Peter Dutton. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, wouldn't criticise yeah. anybody for that. Yeah, we shouldn't laugh at that because I think that's quite true. 
but uh, it, you know it's it's an example and uh, I'm not talking about Peter Dutton when I say it but nope. just this phenomenon is an example of uh, mm. things going backwards our mm. systems no longer coping mm. our, our systems that we've created to uh, manage our society like our political systems our government systems have been designed for a, an era of less complexity when things were, were more simple mm. and easier to manage and uh, as those systems have have aged and decayed and become less effective they're also attracting a different type of person and you know when when oh. systems are new and they're exciting and they work uh, you know people want to be involved and so you're going to you know attract highly motivated people um, people who who are interested in change and and uh, perhaps at the leading edge of thought and uh, as the systems become less attractive, then those people are going to be going off and doing other things. <laughs> That's right, and it, and it tends to be the folks who are just still waiting in line and you know mm. whistling and with their hands in their pocket uh, and waiting for things to progress slowly, and they end up at the front of the line. I you know I, I must admit I we, we used to talk about this when I was um, in the army many many years ago when we'd spoke about career progression. You know you'd often see the you know very very bright highly motivated people would come into the army they'd do stuff and then they'd go off and do something else you know and leave, and leave particularly uh, in the aviation um, arm of the army that I, that I was part of. Um, and uh, we, we used to joke about the fact that it's you know it's the people who just keep breathing and standing in line that sort of end up being in, in leadership positions sometimes. I and mean, that's that, again that's a generalisation. Yeah. And, uh, well, it also goes to the whole idea of the brain drain generally in in all industries. And Australia has a, a bad reputation in at least a generation or so of some of our best and brightest minds leaving the country. Yeah. Why? Because we don't give them support. They haven't been encouraged to uh, look at that leading edge and to research and to be given the funding, the, the structures in order to develop uh, the technologies that uh, and other resources that we need to grow as a as a sustainable or whatever economy. We'll come to a bit of that too, because we came across a very interesting piece from Harvard University uh, yes. about uh, economic complexity and how lowly Australia rates in that, which is extraordinary. And no press out there, no mainstream press about this whatsoever. No, mm. uh, quite alarming that we're quite a alarming. long way down the, the list, mm. actually. Mm. Um, back Just back to the uh, the roller coaster of change for a moment. From uh, our um, informed guess, uh, it looks like globally we are still on the descent at the moment towards the, the critical chaos point where mm. huge tra transformations take place. So mm. there's no doubt that we've moved from stability into this place of stress, turbulence and unrest. People are feeling quite anxious about uh, things not working and about where we're headed, our trajectory, and, and rightly so, mm. because the, the change process that we that we know of from research is going to take us further down that slippery slope into chaos and it's the tension that's created during this time and during the times of chaos that really drive the transformation into into you know a new way of thinking a new set of values i often think even simply of uh, of unfortunately of wars world war Two, the the chaos the critical moment of that conflict as it emerged as the nazis started to uh, uh, invade Europe was uh, an incredible growth in technology and uh, research and uh, across the globe, particularly in the US once it joined, I think, but also everywhere. These chaotic, and I'm not advocating for war here, but of course there are some people who think this is a good idea because it does stimulate technological and other sorts of evolution, often those crisis points, even war. Yeah, it's fair to say, though, uh, if we look at the last few decades that we are becoming more peaceful 
And even though we're still seeing horrible scenes of war in our media coverage, the truth is that less people are dying from war than, than used to. Yeah. Uh, and that's certainly a good thing. And the, the research around the progression of human values to, to a more complex place shows us that we are becoming more peaceful as a species. And these, this is all so, good, so. good news. Uh, and, uh, and it's important to reflect on that and, mm. and revisit those good news stories because there's so much mm. news that's covering the tension and anxiety right at the moment. And, of course, that's never to ignore what's going on on the planet. If you're engaged with some of these hotspots or the, these issues that are occurring, that's a, that's a good thing. But to see it in the, in the light, perhaps this broader picture, perhaps there is less conflict overall on the planet, less really damaging conflict. Although I'd have to say there's a lot more collateral damage these days in the last generation or so for war than perhaps there have been before. That's arguable, but... You know. uh, yeah, I, I would, I would uh, mm. contest that, to yeah. be really honest with you. I mean, mm. thinking back to mm. World War II and all of the, uh, the, you know, the targeted uh, attacks on civil infrastructure, like busting dams that would then flood entire towns and factories downstream and those sorts of things. Mm. So, so I would contest that. I, I think generally uh, things are in a better place, but people, people are still dying in horrific circumstances. Mm. And, you know, that's something that needs to change. Mm. Absolutely. We'll take a break here. You're tuned to Future Sense. It's 9.30 exactly. And as you probably know, you can text in at any time. Our text line comes up on the screen here, 04373 You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. And uh, I should also just reiterate the Byron Bay Film Festival. I've been interviewing a number of people in my other shows. Some fantastic films. I saw one last night called In My Blood, It Runs an Australian movie about an Aboriginal, a 10-year-old Aboriginal healer boy, a fantastic movie. And also you saw, I think, the movie Manus, a short film about Manus Island. I did, yeah. Yeah, really films that are local films or Australian films showing uh, some really beautiful sides of, of humanity and some of the challenges and issues that we face here as we uh, as we go forward in this, this time of the shift, the state of the shift, which is what we're talking about today. Absolutely. It's good to see some uh, news getting out there about the situation on Manus Island. For, for those who might not know about that, listening internationally, mm. uh, Manus is a place where the Australian government has been uh, essentially illegally detaining uh, people who have been picked up in, a, in a attempts to... Uh, reach Australia by boat as, as uh, mm. alleged refugees, which of, most of them, of course, are genuine refugees. Yeah. Uh, Manus is a really beautiful little film, filmed sort of in the dark and secretly, uh, interviewing a number of these men who have been kept in, uh, in this particular det- detention centre for four or five years, extraordinary men in their 20s. And uh, really, if you do get a chance to catch that movie in any of the, uh, the Byron Bay Film Festival, especially some of the Australian movies, please do. And it's just a short film, isn't it, Nick? It's, it's just a short film. It's 13, 14 minutes of Manus film. The, uh, the Aboriginal one I mentioned is a full-length feature. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the, the Manus movie is unusual in that the Australian government has, has of course, banned media coverage of mm. what's going on in these detention camps in Manus That's right. and, and other places. Well, the journalist actually snuck in there, a female journalist, can't remember her name now, with a cameraman and sound person, uh, sh- stuck, snuck in on boat, got into the uh, into the detention centre before the PNG slash Australian officials found out they were there, managed to get out before they were uh, detained Uh, but in the process of several hours I filmed this little film of these interviews with these men and it is very beautiful isn't it, very extraordinarily moving. It it is very well done Mm. yeah, worth looking at Mm. So uh, we're just going to look at the big picture for a moment and uh, I've got in front of me a, a prediction timeline that I put together and have been maintaining over the last year or two uh, from multiple sources, and I'm I'm using the, our understanding of consciousness to select these sources, uh, and uh, 
analyzing the language that they're using to try and understand their capacity to understand complexity and i'm also looking at their their record of course of uh, predicting future events mm. and uh, one of the big predictions in fact the, the only big prediction i've got for 2019 on uh, the timeline at the moment is for civil unrest and uh, this this prediction came from martin armstrong of armstrong economics uh, who has a very interesting computer program that he put together based on the history of currency and how uh, changes in, in economic systems within countries brought about social change. Mm. And using that computer algorithm, he has put together a number of cycles, overlapping cycles, which give quite a complex pattern. So it's not just a single cycle he's talking about, but multiple cycles which overlap. Uh, so you think about multiple waveforms that overlap and uh, when added together give quite complex patterns of change. And after some time, he realized that some of his cycles coincide with natural cycles, like, for example, the solar cycles. And, uh, and that's consequently why they're, they're, yeah, I would suggest that they're useful in predicting change. But, mm. So he predicted 2019 to be a big year for civil unrest, and we've certainly seen that. Um, mm. We've seen civil unrest in a, in a number of different countries, including the US and France, of course. Lots of unrest at the moment. Uh, Hong Kong is the obvious one. In Hong Kong, South America, places like Venezuela. Uh, and of course, the Extinction Rebellion protests are, are now a new wave of mm. uh, civil unrest, which is emerging and mostly peaceful mm. uh, unrest, which is uh, a wonderful and interesting development. And that's a sign of the emergence of this sixth layer of consciousness, yes. the, the postmodern relativistic, humanistic, network centric layer, which in a very general sense is the, the most immediate emergent value system globally that is superseding the scientific industrial mindset. How do you feel, because some of the um, the Extinction Rebellion folks uh, are so passionate that they, they're willing to, literally they've said they're willing to die for it. I mean, you could argue that's, a, that's violence on, them, on, a, on an individual on themselves, that they're willing to actually put their lives on the line for these issues. And yes, they're not, uh, so far, thank God, violent towards others, which we're seeing a little bit in Hong Kong as the pressure there is, is accelerating. That's not a, a, an Extinction Rebellion, rebellion uh, revolt, but in some ways it is because it's also the same the same issues are really at core there. And that's not just the survival of the planet, but also the survival of democracy, if you will, and uh, and the freedom of people to, to protest peacefully and to, and to have an opinion uh, against their government, even if it is the Chinese government. Strong movements. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of things you've raised there. It's, it's good to... Remember that in the research from Claire W. Graves, uh, which was quite extensive and identified these layers of consciousness uh, that we're talking about, and, and which also correlates to many other studies, I might say, so we're not simply working off his work. Mm. Um, he wrote that the emergent value system, this six layer, very humanistic, very anthropocentric, uh, network centric, is the least likely. Uh, version of humanity to be violent against another human mm. but the most likely out of all of the value sets so far throughout history to engage in self-harm yeah so it's no surprise that you hear language like you said people yes. saying that they're willing to die for a cause mm. and it's also interesting that we're you know there's there's a prevalence of um, of self-harm and, and depression within society as these value sets emerge. Yes. And it, we need to remember that these value sets are emerging within social systems, which in a social context, within a social context, which is uh, shaped from the scientific industrial mindset. So it's built for individuality, not community. 
And, and here we have a, a set of human values which are emerging, which are very much about deep human connection and community, and that people are finding it difficult to experience that within society as mm. it is right now. Yes, disconnection itself, just as, as one word you could say, is a, is a symptom of, of our times. Many people do feel disconnected one way or the other from, uh, from their own agency in the world, from other people. Uh, in a variety of ways, from meaning, from purpose, and so forth. So you can you can understand how people get quite desperate and despairing in that scenario. Yeah, exactly. And talking about the uh, protests in Hong Kong, again, a broad generalisation, but we have a what is has essentially been an authoritarian, mm. uh, communist-based uh, system of rule in main, mainstream China, mm. uh, which of course inherited Hong Kong, which had been a, essentially a free market, uh, scientific, industrial-based society and is now being asked to conform uh, and and essentially being asked to go backwards, go backwards. Uh, in terms of the development of human values and, and naturally people are protesting that uh, i think it's it's very encouraging that most of the protests in hong kong have been uh, quite peaceful uh, you know violence hasn't been a, a central aspect of the protests at all and, and I, i'd also like to um, I just acknowledge and and praise the the Chinese response to date, which has been very very tolerant and hasn't been characterised by violence either. No. I think that's very very important. Though they are threatening me, I think they, they are threatening now. Xi Jinping said something like, "There'll be broken bones and flattened bodies on the ground." That's it, that's a that's a threat. It, to it, the least. it definitely is, yeah. and I would suggest he's not speaking from that six layer of values <laughs> when he says things, not. things like that. Mm. But uh, in the latest news today, uh, we are seeing that there's been a change of tactics, or at least the media is reporting that there's been a change of tactics in Hong Kong, and that they're starting to see uh, smaller groups operating independently of each other, which of course makes it harder for the authorities to respond to. Uh, and there are some reports of violence, and I, I must point out that uh, when there is violence emerging in these protests, it's very, very likely not coming from that sixth uh, postmodern value set is most likely coming from other value sets and one of the the uh, phenomena that's become apparent really since the 60s when we saw this big wave of, of postmodern relativistic values come through uh, is that the the environments that are created by people uh, operating from that particular value set are extremely tolerant and you hear this in their language you know saying that mm. that everybody has a right to to everything basically everybody mm. has a right to free speech mm. uh, and uh, no one should be included and, it, and then what happens is that attracts people from less complex value sets who are being driven by uh, it's fair to say more disconnected thinking who are more prone to violence uh, than thinking that they've got uh, free reign and, and you know a free go to to go and uh, be violent and and it's it's no surprise that we're seeing the outbreak of violence mm. in some of these things and also uh, in isolated incidents in some of the Extinction Rebellion uh, yeah. events that are happening around the place. So, you know, it's, you, you can't just label everybody who's involved in these movements as belonging to a single value set. No. You're going to get a, a variance there. As you're speaking, I'm remembering going to my first big protest, which was an anti-Vietnam protest in 1971 in Canberra at the Australian Festival of Aquarian Arts. Uh, university students, 10,000 all over Australia. I was very young, naive at the time, but we went uh, went in a very large anti-Vietnam protest in Canberra uh, at that time, and I remember seeing uh, two things that stuck with me forever, and that was um, police manhandling a woman who had a broken leg in a cast and dragging her across the ground, a young woman who was a protester, and secondly, I saw some protesters picking up sizable rocks and throwing them 
with full force at the police. And in that moment, I thought, well, this is not just one thing or the other. No. You know, this is a collection of people, and some are going to behave very well, and they're going to they're here for 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 the reasons that they're going to stay, you know, coherent with in their actions, yeah, and peace and so forth. And others are not, as you say, and they're going to be drawn to this for one reason or the other, and yeah. are going to possibly cause trouble. And I saw that, and it uh, it changed changed my view of that even back then immediately. Yeah, one way to understand that phenomena is to remember that this particular progression through the layers or development through the layers of values mm. uh, is certainly relevant to us overall as a species, but it applies as well to our individual growth. So, so looking at people who are living in uh, societies with varying levels of complexity, who are spread across the spectrum of values, you know, from in this day and age from sort of two traditional tribal through right through to uh, at least six this emerging postmodern value set you could liken it to a, a large extended family gathering where you've got people across different age groups because we grow through these same value sets as we grow from being infants you know through early yeah. childhood to adolescence and and in adults and when you're at a family gathering like that you're gonna also get that wide variance in behavior and uh, you know why uh, different tolerances of violence and those sorts of things you know you'll see little kids who, who don't understand how to relate to each other that you know breaking out into violence and and, and tiny kids hurting people you know when you, when you get a little little <laughs> tiny kid that'll grab you and really pinch your arm that so it hurts so much they just don't understand what they're doing they don't understand the impact of their behavior <laughs> and so those same very broad concepts translate from the the family gathering scenario to the social gathering scenario where you've got people spread across the same value sets some people you know it's very acceptable for them to be physically violent they don't really have the same sense of the impact of their behavior as people at different value sets might have i can't get the image of uh, donald trump and king jong un meeting and pinching each other in some way <laughs> out of my head just then it's just speaking exactly <laughs> oh dear uh, very funny. Well, look, we might take a break and I'll come back and just revisit this prediction timeline and talk a little bit about what uh, is predicted to be emerging in 2020. And then uh, after uh, the, the turn of the hour here, we'll dive deep into some of the key issues that are showing up globally at the moment and talk about current affairs there. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. Yeah, it's uh, 9.56 here on 9.99 and you are on Future Senses just heard with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans. We're talking today about the state of the shift as of right now. Where are we in this global paradigm shift? How far has it progressed and what's to come? And we're, we're talking big picture stuff right now and looking at a prediction timeline. And uh, 2020 is predicted to be quite a, a troubled and turbulent year. And there are two key things on the on the prediction list there. One of them is a huge economic disruption, which uh, Martin Armstrong's algorithm is situating around a turning point in January 2020. Uh, and there are some other indicators suggesting that January is a, is a big month uh, for triggering change there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the, the critical changes are going to happen right on those dates, but they, they are some kind of a, a trigger point, a turning point. And of course, we're seeing uh, early signs of that economic disruption at the moment. And uh, in the second half of the show, we'll talk a little bit about some of the detail there uh, in terms of economic disruption. Yep. And uh, the second big event predicted for 2020 is, of course, uh, the US election. Yeah, uh, November the 3rd next year, nearly, nearly just a year away. 
and uh, clearly going to be one of the most extraordinary elections in United States and, and world history out of the, out of America, I would say. Who knows what's going to happen there? I think it's pretty hard to predict anything from where we are right now. That's right. And, and on the foundation of uh, the, the election in 2016 and the alleged manipulation of social media and the voting system there, it's very difficult to imagine how people are going to trust the election results next year, mm. whatever the outcome. Yep. And, uh, and it's, of course, extremely likely that there will be manipulation behind the scenes again, perhaps even more sophisticated manip- manipulation than we saw in 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether or not that will be clear at the time uh, is, is a big question. And, and Martin Armstrong, who I mentioned earlier, uh, who has su- successfully predicted using his computer al- algorithm uh, growing civil unrest during this year, has predicted a likely surge in violence following the US elections due to a lack of confidence mm. in the election results. Mm. So um, let's hope that that's not correct, but uh, it's, I think there's a fair chance of that happening next year. Yes, indeed, and especially, I guess, if Trump ends up still being the Republican candidate and loses, I can imagine there, there would be a lot of unhappy people in America too, and could also be the other way around if somehow Trump actually managed to take the election, if he avoids impeachment and all of that that's going on. But uh, very complex to understand, and I, I have no idea who may be the uh, the Democratic representative, Democratic candidate. That's another story there. Uh, but there is some news out there that uh, Hillary Clinton is sort of priming herself for a run again. I think that's a terrible mistake. Uh, hard to know what's going to happen out there. It is, and it, it, it's kind of uh, shaping up as a no-win situation, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, basically, that's of, it. Which way it goes. If anybody knows anything about that we don't know, please text in 043734 Nine. That's right. Maybe you've got the inside running on the Democratic yeah. uh, candidate yeah, next year. Let us know here at Future Sense. <laughs> and uh, we're going to come back uh, in the second half of the show today and we're going to talk about some specific topics and uh, some of the current affairs that are just indicating to us where we're at in terms of the shift and, and uh, also supporting some of these predictions that we've been talking about. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.